Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. episode of Lords of Limited with your hosts Ben Warney and Ethan Sachs. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, we got an early one this morning. Yeah, we do. We're up at the crack of dawn. I've got a lot of, uh, to use a word you've learned recently, FOMO about Ixalan. So many posts of people's sealed decks from the weekend on Twitter. I just want to play, man. Did I learn what that is? What is that? Fear of missing out. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. I'm never going to learn the lingo. (laughs) Kids these days. Kids these days. Yeah. How are you doing this uh, early Sunday morning? Doing well. We had a a long day yesterday with the band. I had a doubleheader, two contests, uh, and then we went to like a a park for like a couple hours in the middle of the day for the kids to hang out and stuff. So got home at 1 a.m. and rolled out of bed to record the podcast with you, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really, really excited. You got some big plans today, right? I do have some big plans. So I'm going to my first pre-release since, I think, Cons of Tarkir is the only other pre-release weekend I've ever been to. Lord Tupperware is moving into the Paper Magic world. Watch out, world. So, I mean, I have played a lot of Paper Magic in the past year, but not... Or in the past year, in the past, like, whatever, five years since that pre-release. But uh, it's all been, like, cube with friends, so nothing in a... Um, like I don't quote unquote sanctioned environment. Yeah, I'm super excited to to talk to you about like how that is after like going to GP Indy myself. Yeah, and this is all in prep for my team GP next weekend that I'm going to. And what's the what's the official team name? Is it Team Pleb Streamer? I think Team Casuals is what we're going with. Ooh, um, nice. Yeah, it's me and two other Twitch streamers, uh, Eleven Secret Herbs and Spices, and Sandball Forty Nine. I'm so excited. I am really looking forward to next weekend. But I'm also, like, very nervous that we're going to roll up with our Lords of Limited bro tanks and, like, scrub out 03. No way. You guys are going to do awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll we, we shall see. Have you been Have you been doing the bicep curls for the intimidation factor? You know, I want to talk a little bit about my, my personal health. I, I've been going to the gym consistently for the past eight weeks now. Ooh, yeah. nice. So, uh, so watch out, world. These guns are coming for you. I wish I... I would, I, you know, this is like a classic excuse, <laughs> but <laughs> I really would work out if there was a gym, like where I lived. And the only gym is at school. So the first year I moved here, I actually like tried to work out because I worked out prior, like two prior years of teaching, like before mm-hmm. I came to this town and I, I worked out, but I went to the school and I did it for like a month and there's like students that are there and I'm not the strongest guy on the planet. I just, I don't know. 
wasn't digging it, so I haven't worked out yeah. in like three or four years. <laughs> if I had to work out in front of a bunch of 15-year-olds, I'd probably stop doing it too. <laughs> <laughs> That's my excuse. Yeah, it's a good excuse. All right, on to the set review. Yeah, let's do it. I think as per the last episode, we so we broke our common and uncommon set review up into five parts, one one per color, uh, and then we kind of tacked on the gold and the colorless cards to our last color, which was green. We're going to try to break this episode up into two shorter episodes. So we're going to combine three of the colors. So white, blue, and black will be one segment, and then red, green, colorless, gold cards will be uh, a second tag-along episode. So if you finish this one and we didn't get through everything, uh, be on the lookout for the second half of our Rare and Mythic Rare set review. Yeah, um, and we are going to be switching over to uh, another grading scale. If you listen to our last set review from Hour of Devastation, we're going to be adopting the limited resources uh, grading scale. And if you want an explanation for why we're doing this, um, you can check out the beginning of our white uncommon common set review. But for now, we just want to review what that scale is like. You want to take away what the top of that scale looks like? Yeah, we start off with the A's, which are your bombs, your game winners. They're cards that are good in many situations, especially when you're behind. Some of the best cards in the set, uh, they're bomb rares and just hyper-efficient uh, spells or hyper-efficient removal spells specifically. Some examples of that include uh, Scarab God and some of the other gods, uh, Grind to Dust, or God Pharaoh's Gift. B-level cards are going to be strong cards that pull you into a color and make you want to play that color. These are going to be probably some of the best commons or good uncommons or really, in this set, a lot of the good rares. Um, examples of that are going to be Sifter Worm, Desert's Hold, Ominous Sphinx, If Near Deadlands, and a Braid. On to the Cs. This is what you're going to have the most of in your limited decks. Uh, they're the meat and potatoes of any limited deck. Very interchangeable. Average creatures, normal, clunky removal spells uh, fall into the C category at times. Some examples of that from the last set are Oketra's Avenger, Unsummon, Lethal Sting, Kenra Scrapper, and Ronus's Stalwart. Moving on to the Ds, these are the begrudgingly playables, below average cards, sometimes your 22nd, 23rd cards that make it into the deck some amount of the time. Uh, your Disposal Mummies, Tragic Lesson, Lurching Rot Beast, Granitic Titan, or G Gift of Strength from the last set. And on to the Fs, these are unplayables, cards you should never put in your deck, or really weird, wacky rares that don't really have an impact on Games of Limited. Some examples of these are Life Goes On, Solemnity, and Swarm Intelligence. And we will also be assigning two extra sort of adjunct grades, which are sideboard and build around. So sideboard cards, those are cards that don't make the main deck generally, but when you board them in, they can be quite good. So like the cycle of defeats, specifically the white, red, and black ones, or crook of condemnation for graveyard hate. And the, uh, the other one is build around cards, cards that don't do much on their own, but when you build around them can be anywhere from like fine to good to great. Some examples of that from the last set that really stood out were imminent doom, abandoned sarcophagus, and riddle form. So for anybody that wants to follow along at home, we're using uh, MTG Goldfish as the website we're on, and we're going alphabetically through the rares and mythic rares in Wooburg order. Cool. You want to start us off with that first white rare? Yeah. First up, we've got Ashes of the Abhorrent. Uh, it's one and a white for an enchantment. It says players can't cast spells from graveyards or activate abilities of cards in graveyards. Whenever a creature dies, you gain one life. This card is abhorrent. Oh, shots fired. I agree. This is an F. I was trying to be a little nicer. I gave it a sideboard D minus, but yeah, pro probably an F. When would you side this in? Uh, I keep thinking of that stupid vampire that comes back out of the graveyard. Hmm. Yeah, I guess so. Like I, if, I, your, yeah. if your opponent had two of those and they were crushing your soul, maybe. 
Maybe. Like once in 200 drafts again? I, I, yeah, what, what, I like how you're like using that against me. You're like, <laughs> once in 200 drafts, I'm sure you'll do it, you sicko. Um, I think not. I think abhorrent sounds good, and I'm going to stick with F. Okay. Next up, we've got Bishop of Rebirth. Uh, it's three white-white for a 3-4 vampire cleric. It has vigilance, and it says, Whenever Bishop of Rebirth attacks, you may return target creature card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. This is a good one. Yeah. So a five mana three four vigilance is not good, right? Uh, a little below rate, I think. I think you would be expecting a four four vigilance for that amount of mana. But even if yeah, so so five mana three four vigilance, what grade would you give that? Mm, like a C minus D plus. Yeah, but this ability seems very real to me in this format, especially with a with a being. It seems like a format ruled by the commons and uncommons, because as we will get through today, the rares are not generally that impressive um so i think getting back a three mana or less creature is going to be kind of significant in a lot of these board states i agree and i think a lot of that size creature have a lot of enter the battlefield triggers in the commons and uncommons like with between raid and you know like the frost links variant card stuff like that i think you're going to be able to get some value off of getting that getting that creature back to fairly regularly and this is a vampire and this is a tribal set and it does look like at least from a few snapshots from the weekend that black white vampires is a very real deck um and so this being a vampire getting back another vampire being able to potentially get back multiple vampires if it if you can use a combat trick or whatever if your opponent's board isn't that impressive this can i think really get out of control i gave this a b i gave it a b as well starting off on the same page it's good Next up, we've got Goring Ceratops. This is five white white for a dinosaur. It's a 3-3. It has double strike. Whenever Goring Ceratops attacks, other creatures you control gain double strike until end of turn. What do you think about this one? So this is essentially, so not quite the way to think about it, but uh, I think a shortcut to think about double strike is just double the creature's power. So a seven mana 6-3 is awful. Well, but a 3-3 double strike is considerably better than a 6-3. Got it whatever fine so but it still has three toughness for seven mana yes that's um, bad. so that makes me feel like it's a, a d plus its ability i think is pretty good i wish that it was an ability that just happened whenever creatures you control attacked so it could happen the turn it comes into play it's just like i, I don't know I, I think this is a pretty overcosted creature but is probably going to make your white deck most of the time um i give it a c minus I was a little higher on it than that. So what I what I was thinking, there's like several cards like this. This looks like it should not cost seven mana to me. So yeah. what I what I was thinking is that maybe they had to do this to some of these rares because of treasure. Like that the fact that, you know, if you were in blue white and you had and you had two treasure and you like, you know, power this out on turn four or something if it cost five or six, you know what I mean? Like yeah. they they had to purposefully bump up the cost on some of these, like cause this is a powerful card, right? Yeah. It's just really expensive and clunky. So that maybe that mana cost isn't as off-putting as it looks at first glance. That was my thought. Because there were there were several cards that were in that boat. I thought, this is a weird casting cost for this card. That's, man, good good for you just sleuthing through, <laughs> figuring out. I mean, seriously, I, I was just like, oh, this card is trash. But you're like, all right, I wonder why this is this way. Because it's certainly not a constructed card. So it's like a bad rare and limited seems weird, like if it doesn't have constructed applications. So I... I agree that maybe that's right. Maybe this this can come out, and we can think of it like a six drop or a five drop. So, so I ended up giving it a, a B minus with that mm-hmm. with that thought. But I, I had the same train of thought as you until I thought of the treasure thing. 
because I, I I came back because I, I didn't actually think of that on this one. But then when I saw like the third card that was like a seven drop that didn't really seem like a seven drop, I was that was the conclusion I came to. I still think you're gonna you're gonna this is dies to like almost all the removal, and yep. I think your and your opponent is gaining mana in that transaction. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my C minus for now, but definitely one to look look out for. Um, next up, we have Kinjali's Sunwing. This is two and a white for a two-three dinosaur. It has flying, and it says creatures your opponents control enter the battlefield tapped. Yeah, like a fine card, but nothing to write home about. Uh, yeah, I actually think this is. I would write home about this card. Oh, really? Um, a three mana two-three flyer is good, um, and this ability is very aggressive. If your opponent is on any sort of back foot, like this and that uh, common 2-3 that makes a creature not be able to block when it attacks. This is a recipe for a very aggressive dinosaur deck in white, I think. This does pull me into white. I give it a B-. That's interesting. I was on C+. I was, I was, I thought about B-, but I ended up settling on C+. Maybe I'm underrating the creatures your opponent's control under the battlefield tapped in an aggro deck. So I think it's probably, I think I was just looking at the card on its face value, like as a C plus, but in an aggro deck, it's probably better than that. You're right; it probably pulls you into aggro, and it's probably because you, you've played with uh, you've played with Imposing Sovereign. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah, which, which is like great in White Weenie in Cube, and this is a similarly punishing effect. So I think yeah. it'll just be depend on how good the White aggro deck is, and I think it's probably good. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, we'll go B minus. All right, all right. Next up, we've got Legion's Landing. This is a single white mana for a legendary enchantment. When legions land... Oh, this is our first flip card. Hot dog. Yeah. All right, so this has two <laughs> two halves. I was just like on autopilot reading. <laughs> so our first half here is legions landing. So single white legendary enchantment. Uh, flip card. The front side says when legions landing enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 white vampire creature token with lifelink. And then it says when you attack with three or more creatures, transform legions landing. And what it transforms into is a legendary land. We'll see that with a lot of these. They tra- Do they all transform into lands? Mm-hmm. think yeah yes this transforms into adanto I, these cards are going to kill me there's another card like this too and i keep putting an n in front of the d because i even typed them that way in my like spreadsheet because there's the <laughs> word andante in music like oh. I just un, unfailingly i always say andanto in my head or i type andanto so it's ad adanto mm-hmm. the first fort the legendary land uh and it can tap for a white mana and then it's got the ability of two and a white tap Create a 1-1 white vampire creature token with lifelink. I don't know what to make of this card. I don't either. It was really hard to grade. I think Legion's Landing on its own, the front side, is unplayable unless you Uh flip it. And then, so the the question is going to be, like, how easy is it to attack with three or more creatures without, like, suiciding some creatures or, like, making an unfavorable attack for you? That's going to determine how good this card is, right? Yes. And I think the fact that that two and a white create two tokens exists makes this a little better just because so you it's not like you need to like deal damage with stuff it's not like it flips post combat it's just like if you're you attack with three things and that includes this then you flip it so like you really can just with this and two other tokens attack and then get and flip this and i think with tokens that's like their most ideal thing to be quote-unquote suiciding is because you're then going to get this as a land, and then you can replace them eventually for four mana because you're tapping this land and two and a white. But I don't know if you're going to have time for all that. I don't know either. It seems it seems like an awful lot of work for, like... I mean, if it happens, great. Like, yes, Adanto the First Fort's a good card. Like, if Adanto the First Fort were just the card we were evaluating, it would oh, be, yeah. like, an A-. Like, it right. would just be awesome. 
but not flipping Legion's Landing is a disaster. Mm-hmm. Which, I, I don't know. I am feeling pretty conservative about this card, and I gave it a D. Ooh, wow. I gave it a C+. I think if you're a in... C+. Plus. I think if you're in Black White Vampires, you're probably going to be able to make it... Like, you're not... It, this isn't pulling you into Black White Vampires, right? But if you're in Black White Vampires, theoretically, you're going wide. You're probably going to be able to flip this at some point in the game. And then it does give you a recurring source of, like, life-linking vampires helps you go wide. I don't know. It seems like so it's on It seems like it's on board with what the vampires deck is trying to do. Maybe a C? How many vampires do you need to make before you're like, I feel like this card did work? Yeah, the board really needs to stall out. Five? Four? The board needs to stall out, and you need to have nothing better to do Dude, with your mana than make, make a 1-1, one 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 one. which is not going to happen that often. Yeah. Yeah, all right. I'll go... I'm going to go... Minus. Join me in the D's. The ben. D's. All right, I'll go D plus. <laughs> D plus. All right. Next up, we've got what is this? Who who is this dude? Maverin Fine. So fine. Some Joker. I don't know. I have no idea. Maverin Fine, Dusk Apostle is two and a white for a two-two vampire cleric. It says whenever one or more non-token vampires you control attack, create a one-one white vampire creature token with lifelink. Now, this is what I'm talking about. This is the way I want to be making my free 1-1s. Yeah, I agree. This card's much better than Legion's Landing. This card's much better. So this is also awesome because it gives what I wanted Goring Ceratops to do, which is that you don't... It's not when this thing attacks. It's just whenever a non-token vampire you control attacks. So, like, imagine, which is not that hard to imagine, you play the 1 and a white 2-2 lifelink on turn 2, and then play this on turn 3 and attack, and you get an immediate 1-1. One, one. Yeah, it's good. Very good. That's really good. And then this can snowball out of effect or out of control pretty quickly, I think, if you have a good curve. And even without, I think it's not hard to imagine getting a few one ones of value from this um, pretty easily. Uh, I gave this a B plus. Oh, interesting. I gave it a B. Wasn't quite that high on it. Cool. But yeah, good card. Should put it in your vampire decks. Yeah. Uh, next up, we've got Priest of the Wakening Suns. This is a single white for a one one human cleric. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may reveal a dinosaur card from your hand. If you do, gain two life. So already thinking this goes in a dinosaur deck. Uh, mm-hmm. About that effect right there. Like, would you put that card in your deck? Uh, would I put that card in my deck? No, I would not. Uh, but I would But I would be happy to have that in my sideboard. Yeah, I think it would be a, a very powerful sideboard card. And then the second half of the ability is three white, white, sacrifice priest of the Awakening Sun, search your library for dinosaur card, reveal it, and put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. So tutoring for a dinosaur. So you have to have a good dinosaur you want to tutor, right? Like, you don't just want this in a random dinosaur deck, do you? I think you probably do. You probably do. So just just a white red or a white green dinosaur deck, this is probably going in there. Well, because presumably you ended up in dinosaurs because you, like, got some good have, cards have that pushed you in that dinosaurs. direction you know what i mean like this isn't i don't think this card's pulling you into dinosaurs at all but i think if you ended up in dinosaurs you probably ended up there for a reason which means you've probably got some good dinosaurs in your deck so i think this is going in dinosaurs decks i gave this a build around c plus i that's interesting i think this is yeah i i'm a little lower on it i give it a build around c minus i think that first ability is pretty powerful yeah if if it's on turn one yeah 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 but like it's then it's basically just an enchantment that's gaining you two life a turn uh, i don't know yeah i, I think it's fine um I, it's I, I think this will be a card that will be clear to me how powerful it is once i see it in play yep um and i'm really excited i'm certain i will be fetching up my belligerent brontodon at some point yeah. with priest of the awakening sun 
All right, next up we have Sanguine Sacrament, which is X white white for an instant, which says you gain twice X life, put Sanguine Sacrament on the bottom of its owner's library. F, don't put this F. card in your deck. Yeah, stop. Stop just gaining life. What's next? Settle the Wreckage. Two, this card's tough to evaluate. Mm-hmm. Settle, the, settle the Wreckage. Two white white for an instant. Exile all attacking creatures target player controls. That player may search his or her library for that many basic lands. Put those cards onto the battlefield tapped. Then shuffle his or her library. So, when your opponent attacks, you cast this card. They're attacking with three creatures. You exile all three of their creatures. They go get three basic lands. The card looks fantastic, but it's it's so easy to play around. Well, not easy to play around, but it is possible to play around it to make it like considerably less powerful so what i was thinking was was it either tide either spout some mm-hmm. blue card that exiles all attacking creatures target or not uh no, bounces was, them bounces them no it put them on top of did the you really yeah and i thought it put them back to their hand it was three blue blue and i think it was put any number of target attacking creatures on top of their library or like i think the the player got to choose the attacking player got to choose if the creatures went on top or bottom wow so that was that was and I remember that card being good. Yeah. But I like too. not but not insane if you were playing against a good player. Right. So like but so here's the thing. You can't Yeah, if you're playing against a good player like this will be in their mind. It's really hard to play around a rare before you've seen it against your opponent, right? Like mm-hmm. you can you can be really smart and you can be like if you're like that far ahead, you can be like how do I lose? Well, settle the wreckage wrecks me, so let me figure this out but most of the time you're at least you'll at least be able to like get your opponent without playing around this once was that pun pun intended pun not intended i think that was pun, pun not, not intended, intended. <laughs> yeah i don't i don't do the puns but i do think this card should be called path of god Ooh, yeah you like that did you coin that or did you say i that just came up with that but i'm sure someone else has already figured that out nice so but i think i still think this is a very powerful effect and even getting a two for one out of this even a one-for-one. And the fact that, I mean, there's not that much, but there is a hexproof creature at common. This this, this lets you kill because you target the player, not the creature, which is very incidental, but I think worth pointing out. So where, where did you settle on it grade-wise? That was what was tough for I me. I gave it an A-. minus. I gave it a, a straight B. And it's possible I'm too low, but I do think against a good player, you're probably only getting one or two cards with this. Mm-hmm. And hold, holding it up is a real cost. Like Holding it up is a cost. I... Th- I think I want. To, I do want to point out. So there is something we like, sort of got as we finished the set. Is that there are there's a five drop flash spell in each of the colors. So I think it will be less suspicious when you pass. I mean, not be less easy for your opponent to figure out what you're holding up when you pass with mana. I think so, but I think that just means a good opponent is going to be even more careful. Like, when I'm playing Hearthstone, like, and you're playing against a hunter or a mage, and they've got, like, secrets, you know, you're trying to think, how can I attack so that, like, each of these eight secrets that it could possibly be wrecks me the least, you know? Yeah. So I think that's just going to put people more on their toes, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think it's going to be tough to nab three or four cards with this. And sometimes you're going to, and it's going to be insanely good. I think it's tough to nab three or four cards because attacking with three or four cards doesn't happen that much. Yeah. Like, you get a two-for-one out of this, I think you're doing it. And even a one-for-one means... uh, Unless... I think... I'm going to stick with, I think, at least one game. The first time they see it, you're going to get them. Well, but they're still getting two basic lands. Uh, Probably at that stage in the game, that's not super relevant. Because this looks like something that's getting cast on, like, turn seven, eight, maybe. Exactly. 
So the drawback, probably not that big of a drawback. But if you do need to fire it off on turn four to kill something, that's not right. going to feel great. I think the times you fire this off on turn four are the times your opponent goes like two drop, three drop, four drop. And you're like, oh, snap. So you think that's when it's going to be the best. And I think that's when it's, yeah, because then you have a, you have an actual four mana, I mean, quote, not really a wrath. but the, And also it's like, I don't know, it's not a wrath, but it's one-sided. And then you're just praying they don't have a seven drop to jam yeah. the next turn. <laughs> right. I, th- I think th- I think the card's very good. I'll, I'll, I think it's good too. Like I, you know, I yeah. mean, you're a. I'll go up to B plus. You don't I do have think... to. You just, you, I don't know. I think it's. I think your concerns about the card are very valid. Well, I appreciate that. I I, I wanted you to know that I hear you. That <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I did so many so many peer mediations when I was an RA in college. <laughs> I was in charge of a dorm my senior year. Oh wow, I had to do so many peer mediations. Anyway, next up, we have Tokatli Honor Guard, one and a white for a 1-3 human soldier. Creatures entering the battlefield don't cause abilities to trigger. This card is not good. No. Like, it's a D minus, right? I gave it a sideboard D. Because, it, it like, the thing is, it also hoses your creatures. Like, it's right. a global, it's global effect. <laughs> right. It would be a better sideboard card if it was just your owner opponent's creatures, or maybe even main deckable if it was mm-hmm. just your opponent's creatures, but... You would have to have not a lot of great enter the battlefield triggers, and your opponents would have to have a lot of great enter the battlefield triggers before I was interested in sideboarding this card in. Yeah. I will not be surprised if this never finds its way into my main deck. Well, right, because you're probably somebody that's going to be drafting a lot of, like, those those are the best creatures. Right. So it's hard to imagine a spot where this doesn't get you as well. Mm -hmm. I'm not looking forward to opening this rare. (laughs) Say, put it that way. All right, moving on, we've got a couple mythics to cover. The first one is Axis of Mortality. It's four white-white for an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may have two target players exchange life totals. I am psyched about this card. Oh my god, what? You're not? No. Oh, I want to put pair this with the vampire cards that let you pay life any number of times and just put yourself down to, like, two and then kill them. Yeah, um, you have you have fun with all that, and uh, I, because if we're in our draft pod, I will certainly be passing this to you. <laughs> this is terrible. Come on, you really think this is worth like building around with paying life effects? Uh, I don't think it's good, but I'm excited about it. Okay, that's fine. I mean, this is this is definitely going on our achievement list. Yes, for like, sure. Our boy Doctor Katz. This is one of his that he submitted. Swapping your opponents, swapping life totals twenty and one with this card is an achievement to unlock. Dude, that would be tough. Yeah, I gave this an F. But Did you on, really? But if it's on our achievement list, I'm gonna... Yeah, yes, I gave this an F. This is <laughs> terrible, Ben. <laughs> this is a really bad card for limited. All right, maybe I'm tunnel-visioned on the achievements. I gave this a build-around C. No, no. <laughs> Listeners, just <laughs> be wary. This man is just... He's very tired. He was up <laughs> late last night. He doesn't know what he's saying. Yeah, I mean, this will be on our achievement list, and that'll be, like, a fun thing to do, but this is bad. So, because, I mean, because it does stone nothing, the turn it comes into play, right? We should say why, probably. Yeah, that, I guess That's so. certainly a reason. But, okay, so, in, in the situation I'm describing, where you have one of those vampires and you have this card, mm-hmm. then do you think it's good? Uh, no, I don't think it's like, good. Like, so, so, playing this card and being able to, on their end step, like, go down to two or whatever with your card that's in play, I mean, that's powerful so here's the thing it's like let's imagine that the times when this is bad is when you're ahead right 
like the times like the times in this is bad as always but like so let's let's, ima- <laughs> <laughs> let's imagine savage <laughs> let's imagine the t- like the different states of the game you're you're behind so you have a lower life total than your opponent you play this you hope it's strict, to, strictly it's strictly a life gain spell you hope to not die next turn and then you swap life totals and they are they still have a better board state than you and are still attacking you dead in theory so at parity this also is doing nothing um when you're sort of bored you're stalled out it lets you life gain some life but that's it so you would in that situation you would need a pay life effect but even then it doesn't kill them if you're in a board stall like you could get you could get them down to like two or whatever and swap life totals but then you would need a way to finish it off and when you're ahead, I, I just can't wait for the times when this is in someone's deck and they're like, man, all I just need to do is draw like any derpy creature to like keep advancing my board state to kill them and you draw this. And that is, <laughs> uh, that is also awful. There's just like no situation where this is good. <laughs> well, so I, I understand all of that, but I, that's why I gave it, <laughs> that's why I gave it the build around because I want to pair it with my sweet like pay life cards and like do the wombo combo uh so all right you know, maybe I'm just... you know what's really good with that five mana uncommon that can like pay life for flying and vigilance other cards that kill your opponent it's just like attacking your <laughs> opponent with a four four flyer i know <laughs> okay i know all right maybe i'm i'll go build around d i i want to play with this card and i want to that's so funny i feel like you and i overlap so much in like our like guilty pleasures in magic this and is not this one is of them not one of mine <laughs> All right, next up, we had, do have a real card. Yes. Uh, Wakening Suns Avatar, five, white, white, white. So it's an eight drop for a seven, seven dinosaur avatar. When Wakening Suns Avatar enters the battlefield, if you cast it from your hand, destroy all non-dinosaur creatures. So wow. Wrath, of, Wrath of God for non-dinosaurs comes with a seven, seven. So one of the biggest drawbacks of a Wrath is that your opponent gets to reload the board before you do. Not the case with Wakening Suns Avatar. Yeah. So, like, this is pretty miserable if you're playing against a dinosaur deck, which will be some number of the decks you face. But if you are a dedicated, some version of Naya Dinosaurs deck, this is a very, very powerful top-end card. Yeah. It's eight mana, which is a lot. But if you're in dinos, like, white has the one drop that makes your dinos cheaper. Um, green has the ramper. Red has the creature that uh, makes dinos cheaper. So you'll you'll have opportunities for this to cost less treasure will be floating around so i wouldn't be surprised if you would be able to to play this as a four white 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 or three white 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 card and at that point you're getting a real good deal yep where'd you end up on it grade wise i gave it a build around a minus i gave it an a minus also but i didn't put the build around tag on it i think the fact that like you want to be a dedicated dinosaurs deck to really take advantage of like your board not being affected and it's an eight drop which i think sort of like warrants some form of build around grade I don't. Th- I, I don't think so. If you, if neither you nor your opponent has dinosaurs, this card's still insane. I think that is un. Yes, but I think that's unlikely that neither you or your opponent has dinosaurs in this like very tribal set. Um, and I think y- it's better if you have the dinos out. Well, certainly it's better. But okay, so I guess yeah, you don't need to be a dedicated dinosaur deck. So that doesn't need a build around grade. You don't think an eight drop needs a build around grade? Well, that's what, yeah, I mean, sort of, that that part of it, that was my question, is are we going to reliably be able to cast this card in the format without dying? And if the answer to that's yes, this card's just great. I think it's just an A-. minus. Yeah, I mean, uh, it might even be an A. If if, if you don't need, if, you, if, if there's no drawback for being eight mana, which I think there has to be. 
With treasure? Uh, but then you're still building around it because you have, you're picking treasure cards in mind when you're... I guess, it just like, realize this, if you have a low curve, if your curve is basically like a lot of twos, threes, and fours, maybe this card doesn't belong in your deck. Yes, is, for that's sure. what I'm saying. Like, it doesn't slot into any deck, which I think maybe it doesn't warrant quite a build-around grade, but sort of a an archetype grade. And so it's like an archetype A- minus or something. Right. Maybe know. maybe that's something to look into for the future for the podcast that, that Limited Resources doesn't do, is that... Because mm-hmm. I feel like in our explanations, we keep saying, like... In an aggro deck, this is a blah, blah, blah. But it's right. not quite a build around. Or in a control deck, this is a blah, blah, blah. Like, so whether, like, if there's cards that very specifically only slot into aggro decks, or yeah. only slot, like, maybe we could give, like, an aggro B or a control C. That'd be I like that idea. Yeah. Let's we definitely keep that in mind for the next set review. All right. On to blue. Our first blue rare is Arcane Adaptation. It's two and a blue for an enchantment. As Arcane Adaptation enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Creatures you control are the chosen type in addition to their other types. The same is true for creature spells you control and creature cards you own that are not on the battlefield. Can I can I tell you a short story about this card? It's an F? That, that is the shortest story about this card that is true. So uh, our, our boy Sweeks, who made the art logo for this podcast and also designed the overlays for both of our streams, yeah. uh, he texted me a photo of his deck from the pre-release yesterday, which was this like sweet black-white vampire deck. He had two of the uncommons that like your opponents lose life when it enters the battlefield for the number of vampires you control. Nice. And this was the only blue card in his deck. Oh, no. And I was like, buddy, what are you doing? <laughs> Why is this in your deck? He was like, I, you know, like, turned some of my non-vampires into vampires. I was like, you have mostly vampires. This is fine. You do not need to play this card. And then he texted me 10 minutes later. He was like, I took it out, and I went 2-0 already. Yeah. So, yeah, this card is an F. That's why you should listen Listen to the Lords of Limited set reviews. Yeah, if only you had known. If only you had uh, waited to do your pre-release. All right, next up we have Daring Saboteur. It's one and a blue for a 2-1 human pirate. Uh, it has an ability two and a blue. Daring Saboteur can't be blocked this turn. And whenever it deals damage or combat damage to a player, you may draw a card. If you do, discard a card. This is a sweet little creature. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot going on for one card. The question mm-hmm. is, how, how good is it? Like, So essentially, this is a two-mana 2-1, two which is fine. Like, not great. D, D-ish if you just look at it as a creature. When, right. like, upon dealing combat damage to a player, looting is good, but then, like, this is going to get brick-walled pretty quickly. So, essentially, like, past, like, the first couple turns of the game, maybe if your opponent stumbles, you're paying three mana to give it unblockable in loot. So, like, how good is, like, pay three mana, deal two damage to the opponent, loot? I think good. So, this this card is just, like, it's good at any stage of the game, it feels like. Like, early in the game, you play this as, I mean, I guess it's bad if you're being like beaten down by a bunch of big dinosaurs but otherwise like you play it on turn two and it's like a fine costed creature you can either like maybe you get in for two points of damage or trade off with another two or three drop but then later on in the game if you have nothing else to do or you like your opponent is at a low life total this is a real problem for them to be able to deal two points of unblockable damage every turn yeah, so I disagree that it's good in every part of the game. I think it's good in the beginning of the game and the end of the game. And in the middle part of the game, you're never spending three mana to get this in. Because you're, you're going to want to be developing your board. Right. I, but then I think, like, yes, I guess that's true if you... So you're saying, like, if you draw it on turn five or something? Yeah, or even I think if you play it on turn two and your opponent plays a two drop that you don't want to trade this with. Or a two, or a two, or they've got a two, three. Or they've got a vampire token sitting there. Like, I think, I think this is best in the late game, actually. 
Yeah, maybe that's true. I, I mean, I, th- I I still think it's it, its body is not embarrassing and its ability is pretty good. And being able to loot is also very good. I mean, we're talking about the damage, but the fact that this also can be three mana loot is is pretty good. No, that's what that's what I think. But I don't think you're ever spending three mana to loot unless you are like really need to find a land in which right. case like you're glad you have this card, but it's not ideal, right? Right. I, I don't know. I, I think it's a good card. I just don't mm-hmm. think it's like insane. I gave it a B minus. Oh, I, yeah. So funny. I give it a C plus. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't think it's like amazing. I also think uh, the fact that it is a pirate is relevant. Like it, it has a relevant creature type. Yes. But yeah, all, all that adds up to a very good creature, but I don't think it makes me want to play blue necessarily. Yeah, I was torn between C plus and B minus, and I ended up settling on that it was enough things going on that it, it probably pulled me into blue a little bit. Yeah. Uh, all right, cool. What's next? Dreamcaller Siren. Two blue blue for a 3-3 three, three Siren Pirate. It has flash, flying, and it can only block creatures with flying. Mm-hmm. And it says when Dreamcaller Siren enters the battlefield, if you control another pirate, tap up to two target non-land permanents. So it's a lot going on for one <laughs> card. a lot, yeah. Uh, I think this is like rock solid four mana three three flash flyer already would be like I don't know a B minus a B. Mm-hmm. The only being able to block flyers is a little bit of a drawback because that means it's going to be harder to ambush opponent opposing creatures. Uh, they're going to have to have like a two toughness flyer two two flyer that you're going to want to try to eat or something. But I think the other part where you like flash this in on their end step, tap their two blockers, and swing in with your team of merfolk or pirates or whatever, and get all your raid triggers is just going to be pretty good i gave this a b plus yeah this might this is I, the thing that makes me a little nervous about this is the can block only creatures with flying but it just has so much other stuff going on that if that's not if you're not able to like ambush a flyer then you are able to do what you said right tap down two things at end step or you can also use this as a fog to tap two things on like before their combat yeah it's just super versatile it's just going to give you a lot of options, and I think all that adds up to a really powerful card. I like B+. Uh, next up, we have Entrancing Melody. It's X blue blue for a sorcery that says gain control of target creature with converted mana cost X. Man, how bad do they need to make control magics before they're not bombs and limited? I don't think they succeeded. I gave this an A. I think treasure. I think treasure is going to mitigate. I think treasure is going to mitigate the cost of this. Yeah. And if you've got two treasure floating around, paying whatever your opponent paid for their bomb rare is a great deal. You kill it and you get it. So that's essentially it's essentially like getting half off there. <laughs> so it's it's cheaper. It's better. I, this is a knock against it against a dinosaur deck probably because the stuff worth stealing is going to be expensive. But like you said, like if you've got treasure in your deck, you can really make this pretty powerful and it's not that big of a deal to tack on two mana to the cost of a creature to be able to kill it on your opponent's side and get it and the fact that this isn't an enchantment means that like you're not gonna i guess that doesn't really still gets wrecked by bounce still gets wrecked by bounce yeah all right never mind forget that i said anything about uh but it's an a yeah yeah all right next up we've got fleet swallower this is five blue blue for a six six fish Whenever Fleet Swallower attacks, target player puts the top half of his or her library, rounded up into his or her graveyard. This is a mill card I'm not interested in, sadly. Yeah. It's a seven mana. Because it's just like, again, like, if you're attacking your opponent with a 6-6, six, six, you're either, like, they're chumping with a creature every turn, or this is just dealing them damage, or they're, you're trading off with two things, or I don't know. This is bad. It's just, it feels like a seven mana 6-6 six, six to me. Which is a D minus? I, I gave it a D. Yeah. Just, like as upside in case the mill stuff is relevant i don't know 
What do we got next? All right, Herald of Secret Streams. So don't tell anyone you're on Twitch. It's three and a blue for <laughs> two, three with a uh, creature type Merfolk Warrior. And it says creatures you control with plus one, plus one counters on them can't be blocked. This card is a house. Card is a house. Definitely a build around house, right? Yeah. And you're probably building a lot of Merfolks. You're getting a lot of those, uh, what's it called? The, the green, the one in a green put two counters on stuff. Oh, yeah. That card, plus this, is really good. Build around how high? Build around B? I think you're building a great house. I gave this a build around B+. Plus. Building a great B-plus house, yeah. The the problem, I think the knock against this is a 4-mana 2-3 is nothing. I guess not nothing, but it's very understated. But if you've got a counter synergy rolling around, this is really going to be a problem. And again, works. The turn it comes into play, if you have stuff that has counters on it, it can enable some attacks that turn, perhaps, which is very relevant. Yep. Um, what's next? We've got Kopala, Warden of Waves. One blue blue for a 2-2 legendary Merfolk wizard. She says, spells your opponent's cast that target a Merfolk you control cost two more to cast. Abilities also that target Merfolk you control cost two more to cast. Or to activate, rather. Oh, boy. A one blue blue 2-2 two two that, like, sort of puts a protective shield around your Merfolk. But this is going to be the first card to die every time. So it right. essentially says that, like... Spells that target this cost two more to cast, which is, like, fine. But, I mean, you're only getting that protective shield for your opponent's first removal spell that costs two more. So I don't think it's going to last very long. I'm actually I'm actually not sure that's true. Because this is, uh, unless, unless your opponent has, like, multiple removal spells they're trying to fire off, this is not going to be the best creature you have on the board. Uh, that's probably true, actually. All right. Um, so I don't think they're, I don't know if this is, has the, like, lightning rod effect that we might think it does yeah faulty logic there at 1 a.m sorry about that um, it's all good <laughs> but like it's still not it's not good i don't think even in a dedicated merfolk deck this isn't that good uh, i gave this a c minus like maybe it's even like in the d range d plus i gave it a build around c yeah i don't know but is it but it's not worth building around like it's not something you're building around but you are you're saying if you are in a merfolk deck yeah i think it's gonna be fine i think it's gonna be fine in a merfolk deck but it's certainly not pulling me into merfolk at all yeah, um, yeah certainly, certainly not a card I'm excited about. Um, next up, we have River's Rebuke, which is four blue-blue for a sorcery. Return all non-land permanents target player controls to their owner's hand. I uh, like this card a lot. Yep, this card is great. Being, so this obviously reminds us of Upheaval as a six-mana bounce mass bounce spell. Um, Upheaval returned all permanents to their owner's hands. So this being one-sided is nice. This not bouncing lands is obviously worse but this is just really good i mean when you cast floodwaters on two creatures in amonkhet or hour of devastation which didn't happen often but when you did it was really good and this is going to be able to bounce every non-land thing your opponent has which is going to which is going to include like enchantment based removal on your creatures yeah that's true it's a, it's also just like so it's going to at the worst if you're like way behind you're going to gain a lot of mana on this card like, yes. if they've got four things in play and you're, like, close to dying, you get to play this and take a breather for a turn, and they're probably only going to be able to deploy two of those threats next turn, depending on how much mana they have. So this buys you time when you're behind um, in a very real way, and this just, like, wins you the game when you're ahead or at parity. Yeah, it's just good. And some some of the other, like, niche things, it, it kills treasure uh, oh. it's, gonna kill, it's gonna kill all your opponent's vampire tokens there might be dino tokens floating so it around. is like upheaval it, it kills is. It's treasure be... it i didn't <laughs> even think about that 
uh like dinosaur tokens are floating around and your opponent if your opponent's a dinosaur deck they're gonna have big clunky dinosaurs so it's gonna be great there it's gonna reset plus one plus one counters on merfolk i think this card just does a lot yeah i think what this grade is did a, you give it i guess it's a bomb i gave it an a wow i gave it a b plus yeah you yeah this this is get definitely an a minus at least i think all right I, I, you have no problem i was trying to talk myself down <laughs> because i love this card <laughs> so i'm happy to join you in the a or a minus yeah Next, we've got Search for Azkanta. This is one in a blue, or is it Azkanta? Uh, who knows? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with my southern white Azkanta. I, I like Azkanta. Yeah. For a legendary enchantment, at the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top card of your library. You may put it into your graveyard. So essentially, you're scrying one. Uh, then if you have seven or more cards in your graveyard, you may transform Search for Azkanta into a land that is Azkanta the Sunken Ruin. So this is another flip card. Uh, the land has tapped at a blue or two and a blue tap look at the top four cards of your library and put a non-creature non-land card from among them and put it into your hand i just saw that non-creature clause i thought this was literally impulse oh no read the cards much worse (laughs) it is much worse yeah all right i'm gonna have to revise my grade on this card (laughs) um it also says put the then it says put the rest on the bottom of your library in any well that that part's good you don't want to put them in your graveyard you turn through your deck too fast right okay let's start with this front half one and a blue for an enchantment. Essentially, scry one every turn, but it's like a little better than scry one because stuff in the graveyard is fueling it. Blah blah blah. That's good. That's good. It's not great. It's not card. It's like I guess eventually, after like three scry ones, you're like probably netting a card's worth of value. But it's tough because this is incentivizing you to quote bottom in the scry. It's incentivizing you to put the stuff in your yard to, so you can flip it. Yes. Um, this work synergizes well with explore because explore when you are doing that scry when you miss a land you are putting the card into the yard so this can help you get to the seven threshold uh, quicker but it's not great and i think this format is leaning aggressive so having a two mana scry enchantment doesn't make me that excited and then this flip side is all like we're working towards what we're working towards a land that like is going to find six spells in a normal limited deck yeah, well, uh, so I'm I'm revising my grade to a build around. I think in a in a in a control deck that's got a lot of removal, I still think this is a good card. Yeah. So if there is a control based blue deck or a control deck that has blue in it, that has that relies on spells like bounce or whatever, mm-hmm. like or I don't know, you want to find your rivers rebuke or whatever, so you can crush your opponent's soul. Yeah. I, I do think this has a place in a control deck. I'm gonna give it a a build around B minus. Whoa, I am not that excited about this card. I mean, maybe it, maybe I just need to see it. But even even build around, I don't love this card that much. Because you're, I don't know, it's not like, this is a slot in your deck. This isn't, this isn't like putting, a, you're not just putting the land into your deck. You're putting this like weird do-nothing enchantment. But I think the enchantment's less do-nothing than you think it is. Maybe. Uh, what, have you ever played with the card? I forget what it was, but it was essentially the same card, just not a flip card. Like to where you could, I'm never gonna think of the name of it. Riddle form, let you scry. No, 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 no. Is that no. what you're thinking was, of? Riddle form. <laughs> that's not. That's not what I was thinking of. <laughs> okay. Um, this was a long time ago. This is an old card. Oh. It was essentially the same thing. Think tank, right? Maybe. Oh, uh, yeah. That 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 is uh, before my time. Uh, I think that was the name of the card. Anyway, that I think that card was good. I think you're. I think you're undervaluing scry one every turn. I just might be. I think, but but let's. I just want to say that it's it, it's weird that it's scry one because you want this to flip, right? 
Yeah. So but, I mean, you are you more don't... you're more incentivized to put the stuff into the graveyard, even if it's something. And then you're in this weird position where you're like, "This is something I want to draw, but I want to flip this weird enchantment I have." Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. This, uh, is, a, this is a this is a lot of work. I don't think you I don't think you care when it flips though. I think you just care that it flips. Like it's also going to flip naturally over the course of the game. I'd love I it think to flip I... before I die after <laughs> I played this terrible enchantment. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sure. Fair enough. But I mean, I think you're saying like you feel compelled to always put the card in your graveyard. And I just don't think that's the case. I think you're using this card as scry one every turn. And then like at some point over the course of the game, it's going to naturally flip into as Kanta. And if you've got good spells in your deck to go fine, that's just a good card. I, I, I'm going to stick with build around B minus or B, whatever I said. I don't know. I guess if it's a, I, I just gave it a straight D, but maybe if it's a build around, I can be persuaded to go up to like C minus. Okay. Uh, next we have Spell Swindle. It's three blue blue for an instant. Counter target spell. Create X colorless treasure artifact tokens, where X is that spell's converted mana cost. Mana drains back. <laughs> oh, mana drains back. Yeah, I guess it is. I guess Except it, it is. costs five mana. <laughs> Except it costs five. But you get to, but you don't have to use that mana next turn. Right, you get to store it up. You get treasure. So... There were, there have been some number of okay five color counter spells. So this reminds me of two things. One was the rare from uh, Shadows Over Innistrad. It made three clue tokens, right? Right, made three clue tokens. And that card was kind of backbreaking. It felt like when, like, they could cash in those clue tokens. Because it was like five mana counter spell and then eventually draw three. There's also a common in Innistrad block. You remember it was like counter a spell, bounce a thing? No. Uh, I think it was like, it's like Rivers in the Mist or something like that. And that card was like generally bad, but sometimes got played and sometimes was, was pretty backbreaking. But again, it's five mana. You're keeping up five mana and all these all these things I think make these cards a little better. All the, all the fact that there are commons and uncommons that cost five that you want to be passing with mana up to cast. But a five mana counterspell unlimited is tough. I gave this a C. Said it was clunky but powerful, and you really have to want the treasure before you want this card. Yeah, I gave it a C minus, but very very similar grade. Okay, on to the mythics. Our first mythic in blue is Jace Cunning Castaway. It's Planeswalker. One blue blue for three loyalty. Jace Planeswalker. Uh, his three abilities. Plus one, whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player this turn, draw a card, then discard a card. So you get a loot. Only one instance of that, right? Whenever one or more. So if you attack with three creatures and they all hit your opponent, you're still only looting once. Mm -hmm. uh, minus two, create a 2-2 two -two blue illusion creature token with when this creature becomes the target of a spell, sacrifice it. So it can sort of defend itself. And then minus five, create two tokens that are copies of Jace Cunning Castaway, except they're not legendary. Hmm. The ultimate sounds sweet. That ultimate does sound sweet. It's not that hard to get to, but you do have to... Plus twice. It's kind of cool that you get to ultimate this and not get, like, there's sort of that weird, I mean, we're talking about ultimating a Planeswalker and Limited, which is not really going to happen that often, but that you get to keep the Planeswalker when you ultimate it. I do think this is reasonable to think about ultimating Limited. I do. I, do, I, I agree. Like, you know, you, if you have any sort it's sort of tough, though, because to take advantage of the plus, you want to be attacking, so maybe you're not protecting it that much. But you can also just plus and not attack. You could just be on the protect this thing plus plus minus five get two of them and then and then you're going off and then you're going off for sure this is i mean as far as planeswalkers go this is pretty toned down 
Um, all, all the plus one and the minus two abilities are not anything to write home about, really. But it's a, an efficiently costed Planeswalker, and Planeswalkers Unlimited are generally very good. But I don't think this is like a bomb. I don't either. Where did you end up grade-wise on it? Uh, I gave it a B. I gave it a straight B as well. But I do think it's going to be sweet. And I've already got somebody that emailed us a list of achievements that one mm-hmm. of his, this was one of them. It was called Ultimate Jace, 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 Jace. <laughs> and, like, to end, I think it was to end up with like four, four Jaces on the battlefield or five Jaces. I don't remember. I'll yeah. have to go back and look. But yeah, that's certainly going to be an achievement for the podcast. Yeah, for sure. All right. The other mythic rare we have is Overflowing Insight. It's four blue, blue, blue. So seven mana total for a sorcery. Target player draws seven cards. It's a card is hard to evaluate. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to evaluate for a number of reasons because we don't know the speed of the format yet. And we also don't know like what kinds of decks Blue wants to be in. Certainly looking at its commons, it felt like Blue was trying to be more aggressive than anything. In which case, this doesn't really feel like a card you want to be playing it's just like can you afford to take a turn off to replenish your hand and also it's i mean you're gonna have to discard stuff too so which is i guess you know whatever first world problems but (laughs) i have too many cards when but i i just i don't know i think this is certainly a build around right you just only or or if we're gonna move into a new way of talking about this but this is a control deck card only and it's certainly a good top end for that deck but how good yeah, I mean it's well, and you would ra- you would rather this be like blue blue X target player draws X cards, right? Right. Like so, this is just worse than what was the what was the card from Amonkhet that was like draw X cards and discard a card? Oh, um, pull from tomorrow. Pull from tomorrow. Yeah, I was gonna give you a lot of crap if you couldn't remember that after the number of Amonkhet drafts you did. Wow, oh my god! <laughs> uh, I I certainly was. I spent the last thirty seconds while you were talking trying to think of the name of that card. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't get there. <laughs> <laughs> so like that card is just better than this right oh yeah in every basically every i mean yeah just like the fact that x card draw spells can scale with the game that you can just like draw two when you want to and then it's like in- incredible when you get to cast this late game but this is only viable late game and only viable when you have seven mana and only viable when you're not dead when you cast it right i i gave this like a build around like c plus B that's exactly what i wrote build around c plus okay i'm gonna go build around c plus all right moving on to black our first rail and rare in black is the flip enchantment land we've got arguel's blood fast it's one in a black for a legendary enchantment it has one in a black pay two life draw a card and it says at the beginning of your upkeep if you have five or less life you may transform arguel's blood fast and it becomes a legendary land temple of Aklazots. like they're just putting they're just like Ouija-ing letters at this point right <laughs> all right so temple of Aklazots says uh it can tap for a black mana or you can tap sack a creature gain life equal to the sacrificed creature's toughness oh i do not know about this card so like I, I, there's like a weird part of me that's like this goes in the hijack sacrifice deck and i don't know Ooh. i don't know where else this goes it does nothing by itself, so it's like worse. Like you have to activate, you have to pay mana and pay life to gain resources. So you're trading mana and life to get cards. So you have to have some sort of board state or deck that allows you to do that. And then you to get so like you're going down life, and then if you're getting around that five life range, then you get to flip this. 
So I guess this is also relevant if, like, you play this and you're getting wrecked by your opponent. Then you get to just flip it on your own at the beginning of your upkeep when you have less, five or less. And then maybe start to, like, pull yourself out of the rut you've created for yourself by turning your creatures into life. But I don't know if any of that is worth a card in Limited. Yeah, I, I just don't know where this goes. I wrote controlling vampire deck question mark. Like, I, I think you're not interested in flipping this card. I think you're only interested in, in the hijack deck in flipping this. Uh, well, yeah, sure. Oh, well, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a very, yeah. I didn't really think about that part. There, you would be interested in flipping it there. If that's a deck. If the hijack deck is a deck, this is like a good card. This is a build around, I don't know, C minus in that deck is what I gave it. But I don't know where else this can be good. I mean, it's if there is a controlling vampire deck that allows you to like take advantage of the lifelinking tokens, maybe this can go in that deck. Right, that's a, that's a good place to dump life. But if you're gaining life, that probably means your creatures are connecting, in which case you're probably just killing your opponent anyway. Yeah. I don't know, I gave it a build around D. Yeah, that's probably more close to correct. All right, next up we've got Blood Crazed Paladin. One and a black for a 1-1 one, one Vampire Knight with Flash. Blood Crazed Paladin enters the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it for each creature that died this turn. Again, like, these rares are hard, man. I don't know. Like, I think this card is not good. Really? Uh, well, not 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 bad, but not good either. I think this card's just fine. I think yeah. this is this is never ambushing anything. No. So, and it's only a one shot ability. So, like, do you remember the cards like that are like the white the white cards are always like one and a white for a one one. Whenever a creature dies, put a plus one plus one counter on this. Mm-hmm. Like those cards were just like highly medium to bad, and this is a worse version of that, right? Because this is only a one shot. Yeah, I mean, I feel like people look at this card and think about, oh man, like. Like I attack or they attack and we're trading off two sets of creatures and this is a two mana five five. No, that's never happened. Like that is so it's not never gonna happen for sure. And like maybe this is maybe we have this as an achievement, like an eight eight blood craze paladin or something. <laughs> sure, that sounds sweet. <laughs> but the, the more likely what's gonna happen is you wish you could cast a two mana two two, but you can't because creatures aren't trading. Or you get this as a 2-2 or a 3-3, but that's not going to happen until turn 4 or 5 or whatever. In which case, it's already irrelevant. Yeah, not... I mean, a 2-mana a, a 3-3 or a 2-mana... Yeah, 2-mana 3-3 on turn 5 is not irrelevant. I don't, not I, don't, I don't think a 3-3 is going to be irrelevant very often in this format. That's my guess. But that's still a 3-3 that costs, that needs work, and this is certainly not a 2-drop. I mean, or, or it's certainly not something you're playing on turn 2. Where did you land grade-wise? I gave it a D. Yeah, I'm a little higher. I gave it a C-. minus. I think this is going to make my deck more often than not. But uh, but uh, just thinking about it like it's hopefully I can make it a 3-3 a three, three on turn 4 and play something else. Well, my question for you is how often did you play the cards that were like the white creature that I'm describing? Well, so those those are different because they're bad when you draw them late. I don't think this is bad when you draw it late. I think this is actually better when you draw it late. All right, yeah, that's fair. Okay, maybe I'll, I'll go D+. Plus. And those cards, like, you kind of also wanted to, like, build around it. There is also, I mean, there's sacrifice effects in this deck, in this format, and if that deck is real, this card goes in that deck, and because you get to sort of control how things are dying. I don't know. I think it's, like, good with tokens, like, cashing in tokens to make this a, a relevant body. I, I don't know. I don't think it's good, but I think it's playable. Okay. Deadeye Tracker. Yeah, Deadeye Tracker is next. This is a card I'm excited about. This is a black mana for a 1-1 human pirate. It has one and a black tap. Exile two target cards from an opponent's graveyard. Deadeye Tracker explores. 
card's good. Yeah. It's just how often is your opponent going to have two cards in their graveyard for you to nab? And certainly not going to be early in the game. No. Um, so early, this is embarrassing as a one-mana 1-1, one, one, but can trigger raid. It has a relevant creature type. But late in the game, getting to getting a repeatable explore, I think, is going to be good. I think so, too. Um, so it's either going to draw, get, get your land or help this grow as the game progresses. I don't think you're going to be able to, unless the game is really going long, I don't think you're going to be able to activate this like twice feels like a, a real gift. Yeah. What grade did you give it? I gave it a C. Yeah, that's, that seems right. C. What's next? Fathom Fleet Captain. One in a black for a 2-1 human pirate menace. Whenever Fathom Fleet Captain attacks, if you control another non-token pirate, you may pay two colorless mana. If you do, create a 2-2 black pirate creature token with menace. This card seems very good to me. Yeah, it's going to snowball pretty quickly, I think, if you've got another pirate. Mm-hmm. I think it's just rock solid, very efficient. Like, 2-mana two 2-2 two two menace, or 2-mana two 2-1 two menace is already a good card, and the ability just makes this even better. I give this a rock solid B. Yeah, I agree. B. Next up, we have a card that I think you, oh, you're really looking forward to, aren't you? I am so psyched about this card. Revel in Riches, four and a black. It says uh, it's an enchantment that says whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, create a colorless treasure artifact token. Ben, this is not a good card. Are you? You really don't think so? No, I really don't think so. Oh, we're gonna be way off on our grades. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can you? So I'm gonna just tell you. Wait, you you missed you missed you haven't said the most important line yet. Oh my god! I thought that was flavor text. Did you really? I did not read that line of text until just now. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, there's a space. I was like, oh, it's boring flavor text. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad that happened live. Okay, the next line of text is at the beginning of your upkeep, if you control 10 or more treasures, you win the game. Yes. Oh, oh, I do revel in these riches. Um, yeah, this card is sweet. I'm so glad. So you're on board now? Oh, yeah, of course. Yes, I was going to be so bummed that you didn't like this now card. Now that it doesn't say something like, Argwell's vision led him into the jungle. Yeah, I was like, that's what I thought it said. Like, <laughs> That's so good. But how good is this? I am hoping it's great. This feels like Approach of the Second Sun to me. And I love playing with Approach of the Second Sun. But Approach gained you life. That was what was so like important about that card. Was it like helped you stem the bleeding while you were using your alternate wind condition. Right, but I think that took, like, seven turns and or building around it with drawing cards or milling cards. This, like, you can churn out some treasure before you play this. Yeah. And then just bing, bang, boom, win the game, like, on the next turn. Ten treasure is a lot, buddy. I know, I know. It's a lot. It's steep steep cost. It's a steep cost. But I do, I'm I'm hoping that this card is a real build around. And I, I gave it a build around B+. My my notes to myself were hope this is legit. Yeah, build around B plus. Sure, I mean I've no, I can't, I can't really think about it because I thought the card was only had <laughs> half the text it had. Um, so yeah, so it, sure. It, it helps you. It helps you get to its win condition. Like it has an ability. Like if you're killing your opponent's creatures to keep yourself alive, you're also helping yourself win the game there. And then like your other blue and black cards, like this seems like a blue black build around to me, and they're going to be making treasure. I hope I open this in my pre-release today, and <laughs> and it's good enough to play, because if it if I didn't do this podcast this morning, I'm sure I would not have read the second line of text. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, hope it, I hope it is worth building around, and I hope it's worth playing in a dedicated, if this multicolored treasure deck exists, 
then this seems like it's a very sweet card in that deck. Um, build around B+. Let's go for it. All right. We've got Ruin Raider, 2 and a black for a 3-2 Orc Pirate Creature. It has Raid at the beginning of your end step. If you attacked with a creature this turn, reveal the top card of your library and put that card into your hand. You lose life equal to that card's converted mana cost. So another Dark Confidant variant here. This card kind of scares me in Limited. As in, like, putting it in your deck putting seems dangerous? Putting it in my deck seems dangerous. Like, not putting in your... I mean, I guess putting in your deck seems dangerous because sometimes when this is in play, this is dangerous. Yes. Yeah. It's not It's not a May. It's not a May. And so, like, you're sort of racing yourself because it's triggering when you attack. So, theoretically, your attacks are good. Uh, but then you're leaving yourself vulnerable to your opponent's attacks. And then you're also leaving yourself vulnerable to the top of your library. Right. I think you have to put this in a low curve deck. Yes. A low a low curve aggressive deck. Yeah. In that kind of deck, this is still pretty good, but if this I don't know, like Dark Confidant does not make the cut in almost all cube decks. I mean, I, and I really like that card in cube, but it's just like so hard to make that to find a deck where that is at home. I think similarly this this card is a, a little tough for me to evaluate and think about for just strict limited play, but I'm a little I'm very wary of it. I I'm pretty high on it i gave it a b plus whoa you think this is as good as like premium removal uh no all right that's a lie so <laughs> this is another this is another one i am great but i do think this card good all right i'll go b minus or a b i mean i think i think this pulls me into black certainly uh, this is i think this does not pull me into black and i think i think this really? is gonna be awkward yeah it's it's pulling in you into a specific black deck as you said right you can't put you're not putting this in all black decks you're putting this in aggressive low curve decks so you're, so you're on you're on c plus then right i'm on c plus but a, like a very uh precarious c plus like so, so similarly to cube you're going to be trying to end up in that deck and then get this card and put right. it in your deck like this yeah. card doesn't drive you to that's probably yeah, yeah yeah yeah. you're just right yeah that makes total sense to me i'm, I'm joining you on okay. C plus yeah it's just i, I think yeah and I also think you need to be looking to side this out aggressively. If if this is main deckable, if this is like isn't terrible and limited, then you need to be siding this out aggressively against decks you're racing or decks you're behind against. Yep. Um, because you cannot afford that incidental life loss. And I, I think this does get mitigated if you have if you're in black white vampires and you've got life gain. Then I think this card can really be do do some work. But on its own, I'm I'm a little scared. Oh of it. yeah. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with B minus. I'm not joining you at C plus. I'm going B minus. I, st- I still don't think this is a pull. This is pulling you into black that often, um, but we shall see. Uh, what is next? We've got Sanctum Seeker. It says two black black for a three four vampire knight, and it says whenever a vampire you control attacks, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. So it actually drains. This card is a house. This card is a house, and so this it has that effect that I want, which is that the turn you play it, vampires you're attacking with get this effect. Yeah, so it has an immediate immediate impact the turn you cast. You cast this pre-combat main phase, and then smash, and then gain a bunch of life, and drain your opponent. So on its own, a 4-mana 3-4 that says when it attacks, you drain one, is like a C? C minus? I think it's C plus? No. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's a hyena pack with a slight upside. Yeah, C. But if you have any number of vampires hanging around, and hopefully, unless you open this, like, pack three, pick one, and you're... Black, but even if you're like black blue or whatever you can have half your deck or a third of your creatures be vampires like it's not going to be that difficult i think to make this an impactful spell in your deck so i gave this a b plus 
I gave it, I, it's interesting. I gave it a build around grade and I gave it a build around A minus huh. on the vampires deck. That that might might be more of a build around, but I think it's certainly build around A minus A. Um, if you're a dedicated vampires deck, but I think even in a non dedicated vampires deck, this is gonna be. You're gonna have enough you're gonna, vampire. Creatures I think you can. Yeah, you around. can have enough floating around. You don't like. You need to Just be by virtue sort of, of the fact that you're playing black. Right. Exactly. What's next? We've got Sword Point Diplomacy. Two and a black for a sorcery. This is a, another Torment variant here. Reveal the top three cards of your library, or Punisher, rather. Uh, I guess, are we going to start calling those cards Torment cards now? Based Ooh, on what yeah. Uh, instead of Punisher cards? They get the old slang for those type of cards where your opponent had a choice for Punisher cards. Anyway, reveal the top three cards of your library. For each of those cards, put that card into your hand unless any opponent pays three life. Then exile the rest. So... Tricky card to evaluate here. Wait, Ben, you forgot the second line of text. <laughs> uh, that is flavor text. Ah. Take my blood if you want. <laughs> Just don't take my gold. I thought I could get you there. I think this card only goes in aggro, but it seems like playable to me in an aggro deck because it's either like if you're trying to get your opponent dead, it's doing like no matter what your opponent your opponent chooses, like your opponent's choosing whatever's best for them right like if you want them to take the damage they're not paying three life but if they're low on life then you're getting cards that are ostensibly going to kill them but they get to know what cards those are they do you reveal the three cards and they get to say like they yeah they have so much information about this i think this card is really bad i don't think it's really bad i think it's i think it's playable in an aggro deck i think in my 200 drafts i will never put this in a deck that's interesting i gave this an f you give us an F? I give us an F. I think it is stone unplayable. Because your opponent's like... Your opponent has perfect information. They get to decide everything. So you never get what you want out of this card. I, I agree. But that's that's what we said about like Torment of Venom and stuff too. So I'm, tr- I'm trying to look at these cards in a new... Yeah. I'm trying to not dismiss... Like my initial card when I read this was bad F. And then I tried to think through it a little more. So would you in, in a black aggressive deck... Mm-hmm. Like this is either the worst of two options. But either similar to... A three mana lava axe or like three mana draw three or like three mana draw two opponent loses three life or three mana draw one opponent loses six life like all of those options sound pretty fine to me in an aggressive deck yeah i guess i mean i just when is that one of the times that this is just better than you drawing a three mana three three in an aggressive deck or a removal spell or a combat trick mm. like never it feels like it feels like that will never be i would never rather have this over one of those options i don't know that that's necessarily true i think it's possible to put your opponent in a spot where this is like a great card well not a great where card. Where, where one of those three things wouldn't also do that like i just i don't know when i'm like yes sword point diplomacy got there okay well so so let's let's run through the three options the okay three options are like three there's more than three options so <laughs> what, what are you what are you flipping on average on average you're flipping like uh, one one and a half spells and one and a half lands lands yeah okay well let's give you the benefit of the doubt let's say it's two two spells and a land two, yeah yeah all right yeah you're setting me up all right i'm losing this argument yep <laughs> i just are. i just saw i just saw it right then <laughs> yeah this card's terrible <laughs> uh so two spells in a land you're getting a land and a spell and your opponent loses three life not great. So it's replacing itself, but you're getting the worst of those two spells, right? So, so whatever the best spell is, you don't get that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you hit th- three spells, it's, okay. So if you hit, you hit three gonna spells, be, it's going to be good. If you hit three lands, it's going to be bad. But you're getting those lands off the top of your deck. I I don't know. I think this is. I'm not going to go F. I'm going to go like. I had D plus. I'm going to go like D minus or D. 
You're never casting this card, Ben. You're never going to cast it. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, I think you're I, maybe maybe I'm gonna have to eat my words, but I don't think you're ever casting this. <laughs> I'm gonna make an achievement to cast sword point diplomacy. Just just to say taste it. <laughs> <Ethan>. Yeah, <laughs> the taste of Ethan achievement. Uh, all right, next up we have Vraska's Contempt. It's two black black for an instant. Exile target creature or planeswalker. You gain two life. This card's great. Yeah, B plus. Not <laughs> we just go from like complicated weird rare to just like ah, an official a removal spell that kills anything and. Kill a Planeswalker if you've got got to face that unlimited. I gave it a B plus as well. Our first black mythic is Boneyard Parley. It's five black black for a sorcery. Exile up to five target creature cards from graveyards. That could be yours or your opponent's. An opponent separates those cards into two piles. Put all the cards from the pile of your choice onto the battlefield under your control and the rest into their owner's graveyards. Okay, I have two nicknames I want to throw out for this card. All right, lay them on me. So either, so the, the five cards split into two piles is reminiscent of fact or fiction. So yes. we could call this Fof of the Dead, or what I like better is just calling this Trick or Treat. Ooh, I like it. Yeah, Trick or Treat sounds good. Okay. So this, if there is a control deck that can get to the late game, I think this card is very powerful in that deck. Yep. I don't know how powerful, and I don't know how often you're getting the full five, but even... Four creature, like, you're going to get the best creature that is dead in play, period. So, and if you are able to do four creatures, then either you're going to get the best creature and something else, or if your opponent splits it one, three, you get the three, the second, third, and fourth best creatures if you want to, like, go wide. I just feel like it's pretty versatile, and the fact that it ends up with you getting the decision of what creatures you get in play is important. Um, It's just how often is, it's a lot of setup cost. Creatures have to be in the graveyard and you have to be able to cast a seven mana spell. So it's definitely a build around grade, and I gave it a build around B. I gave it a build around B plus. Sweet. The other mythic rare that we have is Dire Fleet Ravager. Three black black for a four four orc pirate wizard. It has menace and death touch. And it says when Dire Fleet Ravager enters the battlefield, each player loses a third of his or her life rounded up. This card's very efficient and wants to go in a beatdown deck. Yeah. I thought when I first read this, like the first four times, I thought it was each opponent, and I thought this was that's amazing. What I thought. Yeah, that's what I thought too. But it also drains you. So if your life total is lower, but it's not, it's it's only a third. So like, you know, if your life total is lower, then you're losing less life than your opponent, but you're still losing some amount of your life. But the fact that this leaves behind a like a five mana four four menace death touch isn't really good in a beatdown deck, and also is a fine blocker. It's gonna be bigger than a lot of things, or be able to trade up because it has death touch but yeah what you really want is to be able to beat down with this card what kind of a grade did you give it i gave it a b i gave it a b plus i was gonna give it an a when i thought it was each opponent yeah i did <laughs> too then, i did too and then when i realized it did it to you too i, I toned it down to a b plus all right okay so that does it for our first chunk of the rare and mythic rare set review uh, we will be back shortly with red green colorless and multicolors we'll see you in a bit Thank you. 